second round action last night. Continuing tonight, including the New York Rangers. And the Kara, who are they playing? <laughs> we're yeah. a Leaf show. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I, we're going to have to learn some names, I think, in the coming weeks. But um, which you may, we're waiting on Brian Leach, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the greatest defensemen to ever play the game. And that's just not me building up a, a buddy here. No. Truly. Um, Jen Conway on Twitter sent me a picture, by the way, your buddy here, Leach, and Mark Messier at uh, Yankee Stadium. I was I there. Think. You're there? I was there. Oh, you guys get to batting practice? at. Uh... It was one of the best days of my life. Really? That's a good day. I, I remember it like yesterday. Mark Messier gives me a call. Oh, what are you doing today? And I said, oh, man, maybe go for a haircut today. I don't know. He's there. And um, he says, okay, well... Uh, we're going to go out and throw the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. You want to come? I'm going with Leachy. I'm like, I think I can cancel a haircut appointment. <laughs> can make that work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I can do it. Let's welcome in Brian Leach. Uh, Leachy, how are you, pal? Uh, that was a pretty cool day, wasn't it? Yeah, and and a haircut is a big deal for you. Everybody knows that. So, <laughs> uh, so for you for you not to for you not to go, that was a pretty important thing to do. I do remember you going on the mound and throwing about a ninety mile an hour fastball. If I remember, that came uh, rather naturally to you, or or like what's the deal? I had no idea you could throw that type of heat. Well, that's what happens when you win the Stanley Cup is supposedly everyone thinks you can do everything better. So I like when those stories are, are passed around. I'm sure there are other years when I couldn't even get it, you know, to home plate when we were not making the playoffs. But you win the Cup, they think you can do anything. Hey, uh, I saw a stat the other day that uh, uh, on Kale McCarr, who is regarded as, as like a pretty good defenseman. And uh, in 40 career playoff games, he's got now 42 points, which put, put, puts him amongst the very best, but not better than the two that sit at the top, Bobby Orr and you. Yeesh. <laughs> I know what I think. I think he passed me by the end of the game because I had buddies texting me. I don't think Kel McCart could carry your jock strap. <laughs> oh, he's a pretty good player, Kipper. I like watching him, man. He's fun to watch. Wow. And, and well, when you watch some of these guys and you've had a chance to work and, and watch uh, Adam Fox as well, I mean, what, what do you think? Because, um, you know, they, they do remind me of you, uh, but at the, t- at the same time, we're also uh, in an era where I think those guys can even look even better because of uh, the quickness and, and the less feel that, I don't know, maybe that a 225-pound guy is going to run him out of the building. I mean, does that all come into play here? Yeah, but you can, you know, I heard guys that were played, you know, 20 years before I came into the league and they talked about how different the game was and, it's no different now than when we played. Um, but you can, the biggest thing I like about McCarr and Fox and a lot of these young guys is the way they see the game. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. it's no different than the way I saw the game and, you know, the, the plays they make, the time they buy, the setups they, they give their teammates. So all that's very similar. Of course, you'll never replicate you know, the time and the way that the rules were or lack of rules and what was going on, the type of game then. But it's 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 entertaining. I think you got to agree it's an entertaining game for certainly the playoffs still. Uh, I think regular season, sometimes there's some games where you you wish for a little more body contact and <laughs> a little more emo- a little more emotion. But these playoffs have been great and it's the best time of year. These first couple rounds because we got hockey every night so these these young guys they see the game the same way i did the same way guys before me saw it they just have a little bit uh more freedom for their skills to be uh, highlighted on a daily basis yeah um you know that that fox just has unbelievable vision I, i totally understand what you're talking about there um, you know, one thing I, I would love to get your opinion on here is this Toronto Maple Leafs team, um, you know, I, th- I think for the first time they felt 
like they were going to move on for real and the fans were excited and you heard the crowd here sound not like a corporate Bay Street crowd, but like a real raucous, excited hockey crowd. You were on the last team to win a game seven here in Toronto. Tell us a little bit about that experience and the crowd and what it's like when you actually get over the hump in Toronto. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously I've talked about my disappointment and the way the trade went down and everything, but right from my first day there and my first uh, game and my first day in the locker room and seeing my number two, um, you know, with my name on the back of the white Leafs jersey, um, I was amazed at at what a great experience it was, um, how nice everybody was and how happy I was to actually get that experience. And the playoffs, you know, I was overwhelmed. When I, I, I like to stay around the rink um, for a while afterwards and you may get a workout in or your ice in or something, but I didn't have really anything to get back to when I hung out the rink after our uh, Game 7 win over Ottawa. And when I came out to go back to my condo that I was renting, um, there were still cars, you know, stacked up bumper to bumper with leaf flags out, circling, you know, there. then it was the Air Canada Center. Mm-hmm. And I just kept, th- I kept thinking to myself, man, if I could win one in New York after 54 years and back this up now in Toronto, <laughs> I said, it's, it's not going to get any better than that. I should, I should shut it down. But it was, it was such a great experience. And, you know, I, I was treated so well, you know, I think it's obviously harder for the guys that are there year after year after year because the pressure mounts, but I was coming in to try and, you know, get us all get, Toronto over the hump and, you know, add to the playoffs. And so I was treated so well. People wanted me to like it there. They wanted me to play well. And, um, you know, I was disappointed in what happened in the second round and still sticks with me today because it was my last playoff game. And I was on the ice for Ronick's goal and still, still bums me out today to think about it. But uh, the whole experience was, was amazing. Yeah. We were talking to Brian Leach, hall of famer and, uh, just mentioned uh, on the Leaf Hockey Club that uh, last advanced to the second round. Brian, um, you're, you're lucky if you get to play on one original six team. You got uh, as well as uh, New York, of course, Toronto and Boston. Uh, when you think about all three of them, are there more things that are the similarities or is there a few things different in, uh, here in Toronto opposed to the two U.S. teams? I would say Toronto and New York, um, almost identical in everything they do um, within the arena for the players, the way, um, you know, the trainers work and where everybody works. And I would say Boston was just going through that as part of that transition where they, after I played my one year there, I think they just kept um, going to where they are now. I think from the guys that I know that live right Around me, I live in uh, downtown Boston now, and I have a bunch of the players that live around me currently and uh, that I've gotten to know a little bit. And they're very happy with the way the organizations run now and, um, you know, the way they're treated. And they've a new, new practice arena for a while now. And, um, you know, the, the wives and girlfriends are treated so good, and they've got top-notch training and everything. So, um, but Toronto was just seamless the way you walked in and people were looking to help you. The trainers, you know, made sure they knew exactly how you wanted your skates. Everything was set up for you. It was just uh, seamless going from one first class organization to another. Brian, one, one of the questions in Toronto <clears throat> has been about getting over the hump with this group and trying to trying to win a Stanley Cup and looking for leadership in that. You know, they've brought in a lot of older veteran guys, Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Jason Spezza, Mark Giordano, all those guys they just named, um, none of them have won a Stanley Cup. How important do you think it is in having been there before to understand, to share with the group, hey, this is what it really takes? Or do you think it's just a matter of a well-built team will find a way? Yeah, I think sometimes um, the previous winning can be uh, overblown. 
but there's definitely something to be said from moving on from, you know, the first round of the second, the second to third, the injuries that happen to your teammates, you know, the, the things that are going on behind the scenes with guys, you know, having to take you know, pain injections or whatever, and just how you deal with your teammates and how you go through. I think the experience does help there, but I also think that hunger, you know, an older player that hungers for playing in a, in a market that's like Toronto and that wants to win a Stanley cup and would love to be part of that group. I think there's a lot to be said for that too. So it's, you know, you need from the back end that goaltending right through um, the 25 guys that you probably need all the way through. And you see the playoffs now, you know, the Leafs had two chances there, and lost an overtime game and lost a one goal game in game seven. So the, the margin of error is so small and, you know, you, each year is different. So you can't really group any of the recent Leafs, you know, lack of moving on into one thing, but they've got good people running that team and that organization. And, you know, they're trying as hard as anyone else to piece this together and they want to win as much as the players do. So I think there's something to be said for the experience of older players and the hunger to, to win and to win and, you know, embrace coming to Toronto. Brian, um, prior to our win in 94, you had a couple of uh, failed attempts uh, with the New York Rangers and much like with the Leafs, a few disappointing uh, ends to your season. Can you speak uh, to, to our listeners what a guy like Mark Messier would have come in and how it affected you personally, um, and to a you know to a certain extent, Kevin Lowe and a few of those guys that we're talking about that have done it before. Well, I mean, when Mark came to New York, he'd won five cups and he'd been in seven, I think, of the last fifteen Stanley Cup finals. There's or sixteen Stanley Cup finals when he came, and uh, so he was obviously a, a well-established superstar winner leader learn those guys learn coming up so he he was he came to rangers at a perfect time for me i i think i was 22 or 23 at the time when he came to the team and the big, you know everybody wants to win and everybody wants to be um you know a valuable uh, contributor to their team but sometimes a guy comes in like that and he's the perfect guy for you to watch and to listen to and to see how he prepares and for like guys like myself and Richter and, and we brought Adam Graves over after he had, uh, you know, won in uh, Edmonton for when he was young there. And um, he was the perfect guy for us, for us to fall in line behind. And he never, he, he never would sit you down and tell you you have to do this. So you have to do that. He would talk in, in general terms to the team when it was needed but otherwise, you just watch the way he conducted himself, the way he prepared himself, the way he treated others. Um, it was all those things that if you're observant and you're hungry for ha- what's the right way to um, put yourself in the best position to be successful, he was the guy. And I was as happy for him as I was for myself and for you, Kipper, and for everybody when we won because he he took that on and he went through the ups and downs for the few years before we did it. And, um, you see, you see that famous photo of him jumping up and down. That's, that's all real emotion. And he, he enjoys being a part of that group and he enjoys uh, having success as a team. Brian, how much of it is luck? Like, you know, looking at this Maple Leafs team, you know, can we sit here in Toronto and say, boy, great team, just been unlucky? Or is it is there something greater, some intangible aspect that a team like Toronto is lacking in failing to get through for so many straight years? Well, it's hard to put a percentage on luck, for sure. There's no there's no really way to quantitative uh, put it into a, a number. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said earlier, each each year is different. You know, we... We, I never got back to the Stanley Cup Finals after we won in '94, and the team changed. And you know, you have different injuries, so each year is a different year unto itself. But you know, their building blocks are are 
the guys that you want to be able to build around and they're top players in this league and they're uh, hungry to win there and they've embraced that and it's you see the disappointment in their faces and there is so yes of course you'd like some luck in a tie game and you know we we like kippers probably spoke about it you know we got a goal from that toe from behind the goal line you know that ended up being a double overtime winner yeah, to get us through the the uh, semifinals to the finals. So there's there's no real answer. I mean, the year we won, we're up one goal in the third, and Martin Jelena hits the post, and you know there's so many things you can look back on. So mm-hmm. I, I think there is a percentage of it, but you need to at least have that foundation, which I think the Leafs have built and are building, and then they'll continue to tweak it because I think the right people are in charge and you know, they've got a great foundation of uh, top young players. Lacey, we got a, a Harry M. I think if I saw it correctly in the chat wants to know which current player reminds you of yourself. I would say just, just a mix between Fox and Makar after we were talking about it. Yeah. I think Makar is probably, probably a, be- a better skater than I was. And, you know, back to the time we played, I don't know if, I could actually skate like that if I if I took more skating lessons and had more freedom. Oh. But he is a heck of a he's he's a heck of a skater, and the way Fox you know buys time and and knows where guys are on the ice. And I was probably a little better skater than him, but the way he sees the game is so similar. So probably a little a little combination of those two guys. Uh, when I watch him play, I go, oh, I wish I could you know, make that spinorama or do that or like Makar does. And then I see Fox step up and get up in the play and then get back. And he's not the fastest skater. And I said, he's a smart guy, man. He knows when to go in, how to recover, how to use his stick, you know, when to take the body. And uh, so probably a combination of those two guys. Yeah. I got to go for me. Um, like maybe Paul Bizanet and, uh, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe Kelly Che. Uh, different pool of humans. <laughs> hey, um, so I was one of the few guys that got to live in the city with, uh, you know, Brian. With and the big boys. With the big boys. And, <laughs> and we'd, we'd, we'd drive to Rye Playland for practice. Yeah. And on the few times that we had, like, a, a two-game losing streak, I, I, I'd be in the car with Leachia. I wasn't allowed to touch his radio. <laughs> I, <laughs> that seems fair. I'd be like switching all the channels. He's like, I don't touch my radio. Just not right now. No, yeah. not, not right now. This is not the year. I knew I knew we were going to end that losing streak real quick, by the way. <laughs> Leachie, can't thank well, I, you enough. Yeah. You got it. Oh, that was great. That was yeah, a treat. So Brian much. Leach, Hall of Famer. That was fun. Messi, I call him the greatest ranger of all time, I believe. Yeah, Sounds right. I, I don't know. And listen, we we lost the great Rod Gilbert, and he is Mister New York. Mm-hmm. But hard to argue with Norris Trophy winner, uh, first American Conn Smythe winner. I and love he that he had, said they see the game like he did. I love that. Like like he's he was our Bobby Orr. Yeah, thirty four points in twenty three playoff games. <laughs> In oh. 93, 94. I, lo- I love that, you know, in without a sense of cockiness or like arrogance, just being like, yeah, you know, a combo between Makar and Fox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the two best D-man yeah, in the league? Hey, I'm the mix of but them. Like, but guess what? <laughs> but he's right. He's right. That's <laughs> the problem. It's not like he's like exaggerating. No, it's no, like, no. yeah, he was really, really good. He was that guy. And they're so hard to find. Guys, so I a hundred and two point season. Can you can oh. you quickly? And I think the Rangers picked him up. I don't know what number. I don't even think he was top ten. I got it. Tell me, tell me the draft ninth overall. Okay, yeah. so he snuck in. He yeah. snuck into the top ten. Yeah. But give me some names that went before him, please. I can't do that. Maybe I can I do that. Okay, I can do that. Joe Murphy went first overall to the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. He had. Uh, Good career, 779 games. Jimmy Carson, Neil Brady, Zarly Zalapsky. Love disease. Yeah. Uh, Sean Anderson, Vincent Dampoos to the Toronto Maple Leafs at six. Uh, Dan Woodley and... Um, Pat Aliniak. Yeah. Aliniak. Dan Woodley played five 
Vancouver probably could have reached there and took Leach. Let's go. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Seven. And then uh, Pat, uh, what was it? Uh, Ellen Chuck. Ellen Chuck. Ellen Chuck. Ellen Chuck. Leachy at nine. Jocelyn Lemieux. Gee. Scott Young. Boy, Warren those Babe. are. Warren those Babe. Are, <laughs> he was a real baby. Those are tough decisions, <laughs> yeah. eh, for the first eight. Yeah. You, you got to call in your uh, director of scouting uh, if, you're, <laughs> oh if you're the Jets and go, hey, what, the leech kid. What, what, what did you see? What did you miss there? What are we not seeing with him? <laughs> what, if, what did we like more about Listen, that? this is when it was all OHL. Yeah. Western League, Quebec. You got a guy uh, coming out of like Avon Old Farms in Connecticut. <laughs> They're looking at you going, Good point. no, I don't think so. Yeah, we're going to take the Hall of Famer, this guy. Yeah. Avon Old Farms. <laughs> they could maybe, honestly, it'd be more palatable if they had a rebrand. Just be like, <laughs> call them something else. Maybe Avon take, New Farms? Yeah. Something <laughs> a little upgraded. Yeah. yeah. You That's- get one of those guys on your team. And it changes everything. Hey, Owen Power for Buffalo might be that guy. And not Brian Leach, but a different yeah. type of that guy, the way Hedman was for um, yeah. Tampa Bay. And like, you, you, there's so much you love about Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. but he is... No, he's not he, that. He's, he's not that. No, and uh, he'd ask him that, that. to say, I'm not that. It's where they got to they gotta find somebody find to help that. him out. Don't you think? You have to draft that, though, because no one's trading yeah. you that. You're you not to, you signing to, that. You have to find that in the draft. And All right. Which uh, means you need draft picks, we, which, which is a problem. Yeah. We're going to take a break? Yeah, I just would love the Leafs to take a big right-hand shot defenseman from the WHL one year. <laughs> Andrew Nielsen. He was a point-per-game D-man with the Marlies four years ago. Yeah, Five just, years ago. Yeah. Anyways. They traded him. We can take a break. All right. We should probably mention the battle of... You know we are because here. we got Eric Francis yeah. after the break, don't yeah, we not? We do. What do you think? I this is going to be a really boring prediction, but I think it's going to be not nearly as greasy as everyone thinks it's going to be. I think the stakes are pretty high. Yeah, I don't know. Are people thinking it's going to be greasy? I think it. I think not. It will. It will be greasy. Uh, you may not early, but it will get there. You think? Yes, I, think- I do. The old Calgary Stampede people need to throw a lasso, a little lasso around McDavid. Uh, that guy's going to be Listen, running amok. I'm I'm going all Eastern on this comment, but I hate the start times. Oh, I'm dreading it. Is it ten five zero? On ten yeah. to eleven? Yes. PM. I think what t- tonight puck drop is what? I think it's is it nine thirty or ten? No, I think it's nine fifty. Oh my. Eastern boys, there's definitely a 10:50 puck drop so coming nine, up here. Well, it's 9:30 listed. It's 9:30, but but, but but actual puck drop, yeah, I think, nine. will come at 9:50. 9:50, And I'm sorry, but like, we yeah. got so so Saturday the, night. This is south of the border to blame. Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. Yeah. It's 10:50. Flames Oilers. Oh my. 10:50. Do you stand a chance of staying awake? Depends how many little Buddhas I have. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like, come on. Do we have to, like... I'm playing golf that day. No chance to I make kiss the pinky ring of the U.S. networks now? Yes. Yep. We do. We do. Confirmed. Are we but eight we o'clock- stroked a $5 billion check. Do they not give a <laughs> crap about, like... 8 o'clock is an absurd time to start the early game. Just start it at 7. Why 8? I don't know. It's Saturday. It's not like you have to get home from work or whatever. Like, I guess the prime time that's the best. Je ne sais pas. Is that the best time for all the, the time zones, I guess? It's in the middle, but 10.30 is just an obscene right. time to start a hockey well, uh, game. What is it, I am San Jose, it, LA? I'm going to stay up, and everyone else should. We'll, it's going to be a wonderful game. Sportsnet. We'll, we'll cry to Eric Francis after the break. Oh, he's going to make fun of you guys for sure. I know. We're going to get beat up here. All right. That and more after the break. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Battle of Alberta. How long has it been? I actually don't know. (laughs) Sorry, man. Gave you one job yesterday. <laughs> Find out how long it's been since they've had the last the one. The internet doesn't have the answer. I don't know. It's impossible. No one knows. Well, I'm going to Eric Francis. All right, he's know. got all the answers here. Senior columnist with Sportsnet.ca. He's got all the answers for us. Eric, you there? I'm here, boys. How are you? Um, nice of you to um, not take your pregame nap. Or do you have chicken, pasta? Like, 
This is a big. This is a big game tonight. I'm still gonna get my nap in. I'm still gonna have my pasta and my chicken and maybe chocolate cake and carb up and not do the exercise part. I'm ready, boys. I'm oh. ready for the Battle of Alberta. All right. So uh, let's start first and foremost. What does this mean uh, for for the province? What does it mean to the communities right now? Getting these two teams together. You know. It's funny, Daryl Sutter had a little interesting, I don't know if you saw the clip or people saw the clip, but, you know, he says it's not the Battle of Alberta. It's the Oilers versus the Flames. Sports brings people together. He said sports, church, and music. Those are three things that bring people together. This was his little soliloquy. I felt like I was watching Little House on the Prairie for a second there. (laughs) I'm old enough to laugh at that. (laughs) You're the only one. And, and, uh, you know, it's just... it is bringing everyone together. Like just, just leaving the morning skate and all that stuff this morning, you know, the streets in this city and you guys see it in Toronto with the leaf jerseys, but you know, everyone's wearing a flame Jersey. And then every once in a while, you'll see uh, someone wearing an Oilers Jersey and yeah, they're bleeding and cut because they've been beat up, but doesn't matter. We leave them there. Uh, it, it's fun. It's fun. You know what? Everyone's getting into the spirit. Even the most casual of fans, um, are so into this. This is 31 years in the making, boys. We haven't had the Battle of Alberta for 31 years. 31 years, Kipper. And it's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, that was Kipper's first year in the league when they had the first Battle of Alberta. I'm just kidding, Kipper. First <laughs> communion, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sammy says uh, to us, he doesn't think it's going to be as greasy as people expect. What do you expect from this series? I, I agree. I think that they're going to settle down. Like, one of the lessons the Flames learned in the first round was just stop, stop with the scrums. And, you know, they were, they were playing four-on-four four all the time. And the Calgary Flames were the best team in the league this year, five-on-five five statistically. And they wanted – it's kind of funny. They keep telling everybody, we want to play five-on-five. Five. So I'm thinking, I'm the Oilers. I want to muck it up as much as I can and, and play four-on-four four or, you know, trade power plays because the Oilers have, you know, legendary power play units. So uh, – Jay Woodcroft wouldn't bite when I asked him that. He didn't think it was safe to assume that. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's to the advantage of the Flames if, if, if it's not a, a penalty-filled affair. But then again, if it is, I certainly think the Calgary Flames are a far tougher team. They've got three of the biggest heavyweights in the league and Gabranson, Zadorov, and Lucic. Um, the Oilers can't really counter with much. Cassian's not what he was. And Darnell Nurse is probably their toughest guy, and you don't want him in the box. So... I think that you're going to see lots of face washes and lots of big hits, but I, I don't think you're going to see many fights and, and the rough stuff that we've thought. But there are going to be times, guys, when we're going to say, here we go, it's the Battle of Alberta. It might not last long, but enjoy those little moments, moments when they do. Eric, we're safe to say that Calgary's heavy favorites here. Can this kind of go against them a little bit? You know, yeah, I think sometimes it can against teams, but I don't think with the Flames. You know, their their hallmark is that they're so even keel. Uh, you know, Daryl Sutter has really beat into them the fact that, you know, we're going to play our structure, we're going to play our way of hockey, and that's the way we're going to do it no matter if we're down three, up three. We don't change a thing. And, you know, there were times in this series where they could have panicked in that last series against Dallas, you know, when they had 134 shot attempts in that game that they won in game seven in overtime. Like, I've never heard of a number like that, guys. And I think some teams could have panicked uh, or, or worried that they weren't going to win it, but they were supremely confident in their system, their style. And I think that they know that they're one of the best teams in the league if they just play the way they know they can play. So I, I don't think they're going to get overconfident. And, uh, you know, if they do, then, then they'll lose the first game. But I think they'd correct it pretty quickly. Does anything uh, about how it went against Dallas concern you that it took that long to dust that opponent given expectations, or was it just that type of series Dallas forced him into? I, I think that's a great question, Borty. Like I, 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 I don't think that. I, I think that these guys look at it and say, "Look, we just played one of the better defensive teams in the league." I know Dallas isn't one, isn't one of the best teams in the league, but defensively, ever since Hitch was there, they've been one of the better defensive units. And that goaltender, we all watched. That was one of the great performances in the history of playoffs, to be frank. Right. And uh, and they still found a way to win in the end, despite you know a lot of scares. So I think they feel like uh, the Oilers, and I think most people feel like the Enfor- the Oilers aren't as good a team as the Dallas Stars. Now maybe I'm wrong, and maybe that would be a mistake for the Flames to think that. 
But I think that they look at it like we threw 134 shots at a guy to beat him. If we throw 134 shots at Mike Smith, we're going to win 17 to two. I think that's the way a lot of people look at it. Yeah. Eric, does, does Johnny hockey, Johnny Gaudreau have to go um, toe to toe with McDavid in terms of impacting the game? No, I don't think at all. Like, I don't think that, I think they're completely separate entities. I do think it's kind of cool that I think you're going to see long stretches of this series where you're going to have four of the top eight scorers in the National Hockey League all on the ice at the same time. That's pretty cool, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl and then Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. And Kachuk and Gaudreau and Lindholm are going to be the line that I think the Flames would most prefer to go up against Connor McDavid because they have been so great defensively on top of being a great offensive line. So I, I, I don't look at it as this is Johnny Gaudreau versus Connor McDavid. I think that's a, a delicious storyline because they finished 1-2 in scoring this year. But I, I think it's more how can the Calgary Flames neutralize Connor McDavid? And if they can, they should win the series easily. I, I don't think it's going to be an easy series, but I think that's the key to winning the series, obviously neutralizing a guy who's playing arguably his best hockey. You know, when I've thought about this series, I can see so many paths through for the Flames. You know, like there's just so many ways this goes right for them. They can out-defend Edmonton, goaltend them. They can, you know, score with them. They can be as physical as any team in the league, yada, yada. You get the point. Um, If we're sitting here in two weeks and they've lost to the Oilers, like what does the path for that happen? There doesn't seem to be very many, does there? Yeah, I guess it would be Mike Smith standing on his head. Yeah like we've never seen before. Like, but I have to say, like, we saw him in Calgary three years ago when the Flames lost in the first round to Colorado. And Mike Smith was by far the, the, the best player the Calgary Flames had. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Smith is absolutely stellar. He was pretty good in that last series, save for a couple of mistakes. But uh, I, I think, you know, I think to win any series, you've got to have the better goaltender, which is going to be awfully tough for him to out-goaltend Jacob Markstrom. Um, or, or the other path is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who we all think is pretty banged up and, and he's, he's limping around the ice. But somehow, if he you know, can get, skate through that, those two guys alone can beat the Calgary Flames. Like, I've seen that act 15 times in the last five years. Like, those two guys combined for eight or nine points, and they beat the Flames handily. So if those guys are allowed to run amok, that's, that's definitely the easiest way for the Oilers to get through. But I, I'm with you. I don't see many other paths. I mean, five on five. In terms of depth up front, the Oilers just don't have it. And where are we on the injury front uh, when it comes to a guy like Chris Tanev? Because you know the responsibility that is going to be asked out of him in this series. Well, it's a great question. I don't have an answer for you. I mean, obviously, everybody's tight-lipped at this time of the year. I was shocked that he showed up at practice yesterday. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced he's playing tonight. Other people think I'm crazy, but I'm just going to throw back five years ago Mark Giordano tore his biceps just before the trade deadline. He was done for the year. Like, there was no question. He could hardly lift his arm. And they shoved him into a jersey and, a, and, his, and his uniform and put him out for the warm-up the next game because they didn't want any other team in the league to know that as they went around looking to trade for another defenseman to fill his shoes, that they'd be trading from a position of weakness. So the game, let the games begin, right? Like, are they putting Tanev out so that the Oilers think he's going to be in the lineup? Like, Chris Tanev played something like 320 games in a row before he left game six with this injury. A couple guys fell on his back while he was prone on his stomach. It's probably a shoulder injury to me. I assumed he was done for the year because he didn't come back for game six and didn't come back for game seven. This guy's the ultimate warrior. And if he couldn't play in those games, I can't believe he's going to be okay to come back three, four days later. So I'll believe it when I see it, but he is their best defenseman. He's the most important part of that blue line. But in Calgary, we started the year here saying, how on earth are they going to replace Mark Giordano? Well, they did it by committee with six guys, and they were just fine. They were the third best defensive unit in the league in terms of offense, and defensively, they were really good too. So that's a long-winded way of saying your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> when, when I looked at the Flames going into the playoffs, I was like, I, you know, I know they finished high in the league in scoring. I think they were sixth in the NHL in scoring. Um, but, you know, I wasn't. they, they don't have any... 
I don't know. I They don't have McDavid. They can't hang in that regard. How do you feel about their ability to score throughout the playoffs? Johnny Gaudreau has, in the past, struggled a little bit. Are you confident that this team is going to be able to score enough goals in the big moments? Yeah, I, I am. I, I am because that, that top line is so good. And Johnny Gaudreau really took a huge step. You know, I've been the first guy to be all over him over the years. For saying this guy just can't do it when it matters most in the playoffs. Me too. And right, yep. you know, and, and and I just, but he did it in that first round. I know he only got eight points, but he had two goals. They were both game winners. Sutter said today that his penalty shot goal in the, whatever game it was, game four or five, was the turning point in the series. Um, I, I I really believe he's taken the next step. And against a team that's not as good defensively like the Oilers, I think he's going to flourish even more. Um, you know, I think the Flames would prefer these games are all 2-1, so they don't need a whole lot of goals, um, although that would come in handy when you're playing the two best players in the league. Uh, I, 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 I don't worry about their, their goal scoring. You know, a guy like Toffoli has been very quiet. He's only got one goal in the series. Dylan Dubé has been spectacular of late, but no goals to show for it. Like, I could, get, I could go on with the list of guys who I think could break through. Mangiapane hasn't got a goal yet. He was a 35-goal scorer. Uh, I'm not worried about the scoring for the Flames. You know, whatever Connor and Johnny Hockey do, they won't be the biggest star when this series is, is over. It will be Daryl Sutter. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. And the less the guy... he says, the less he says, the more he mumbles, the, 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 the greater his uh, star quality gets. He walks on water in this province. And you know what? He's turned this franchise around twice now. Um, he should walk on water. I mean, his press conferences are the stuff of legend, guys. And he was at his absolutely most condescending best yesterday. <laughs> you know, at a time when you think he'd be relaxed and having fun, he is chewing our heads off in the media. He loves to use us as, you know, pawns and uh, pinatas he just crushes us on a daily basis all just to get his message across and then he's the first to come up to us and shake our hand and ask us how our families are doing you know like it's all just a game and people are eating it up so i'm with you i thought you were going to say the biggest star in this series is going to be matthew kachuk because <laughs> because i i think he's going to be the central figure i really do like whether it's i don't think him and cassian are going to get into it he cassian's irrelevant now but I think that Darnell Nurse and Kachuk are going to be going at it like crazy. And uh, I think Kachuk would like to stay away from the, the garbage, but he can't help himself in a lot of cases. So he'll be on the ice. I think he'll be the, the public enemy number one in Edmonton. But you're right, Daryl Sutter, no matter how this ends, is the Alberta's number one star. One vote here for Brady Kachuk being the bigger star. He was in the last game series, the kid on his shoulders. Oh, my Eric, God. Is, is he taking a little heat from Ottawa a little bit for being a little yeah. bit pro-Calgary uh, here? Or I yeah, know it's, I know it's uh, pro-Matthew, but... We're in a Flames. What do you think? Does he say in the U.S. shirt? Come on. Blood is thicker than anything else in this world, boys. <laughs> like, at the end of the day... I, I think it's phenomenal. He knew he knew he was going to take some heat on that guy. He's the captain in Ottawa. He comes out here. He's wearing flames gear. He's throwing jerseys out to the to the red lot of five thousand people out there. That kid on his shoulders video is fantastic. Uh, Matthew said was asked about it today. He says, "Is Brady still around?" He said, "Yeah, he's still around." I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what he's up to, but it'll be something. And he said, I don't know what those parents were thinking, letting that kid go on Brady's shoulders. (laughs) But, but, uh, you know what? How great is that? I just think that's so wonderful to see a brother come out and do that. Be damned what the optics are for some people who get their knickers in and not. This is all about entertainment, boys. I always laugh in our business about coaches who think they're way too important, who say stuff like, "We're we're in the business of winning. If you really think you're in the business of winning, you shouldn't be in the business. You're in the business of entertainment. And winning <laughs> is entertaining. Winning is entertaining, but let's entertain the people and let's not yeah. shun them. Let's not crap all over them when they have a personality. Kipper, you know this better than everyone. You, you have a personality, people are going to come down on you even harder. But Eric, you know what? You're the guy who sells the tickets. That, that, after the game tonight, that should be your first comment to Daryl. Yeah, Daryl, it's Darryl, an entertainment Darryl, business. Darryl, you're in the entertainment business. Go. Lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let's see the, the battle after. Yeah, 
the bloodletting that that would ensure. Hey, yeah. um, I'll try it. Give us a number here. Does Calgary need six, four, five, six, or seven games? I, I'll say six. I, 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 I want to say seven because, man, would that be fun? Uh, I'll say six. Uh, six means they got to win that last one in Edmonton. That's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be close, boys. Like, there's no way that anyone's walking away with this. I'll go six. Flames and six. Looking forward to it. Uh, and we uh, look forward to your work, Eric, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for doing this. Cheers, boys. Call anytime uh, if I survive. We'll be, we'll be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, Senior call. columnist Cheers. for Sportsnet.ca, Eric Francis. There is you- a chance that the Flames mop them. That There is a small chance. Like, yeah. I picked them in six. But, like, I could see them winning four hockey games. That they're better uh, than just, them. You're just uh, like, even if you got really good goaltending mm-hmm. out of Dallas, uh, right. it would have been a mop up. Right. Oh, Andre had to been like Andre blackout like, good. Like yes, he turned into Dominic Hasek. Like, for we've a never series. seen it before. Yeah. And if he would have found a way to to win the damn thing, we're talking about one of the. That's Yarrow Halak. It's, uh, it's remembered as uh, something really historic. Yeah. Well, I don't at this point, that 125 shot attempts or whatever, whenever Goodrow whipped that one over his shoulder, it's like eventually just the sheer volume breaks. Just yeah. needed to win it for it to be really, really remembered. Yeah. Now we're never going to talk about no, it again. No, no, it's just a <laughs> footnote. So let's just say Austin Matthews has a brother. Okay. And Austin Matthews' brother plays for, let's say, let's say the Vancouver Canucks. Sure. And Austin Matthews is out there after the Leafs get eliminated. I guess it's not the same thing because the Sens are are bad. They miss the playoffs, whatever. And, you know, he's out there with wearing a Canuck shirt. How do you think Leaf fans would handle that? He's getting killed. I I don't want to be upset about this and petty about it, but it does rub me the wrong way if I'm a Sens fan. You know, it's, uh, you know what it does? It's, what's the word in wrestling? K. K Fabby, K Fab, K Fab. You know, not a wrestling guy. Okay, well, when you when it's exposed, like the real, the fake stuff disappears, and you get to see the reality. The reality is, everyone who makes the NHL wants to get rich, and they're in it for their family. And you know, this is all the team stuff's important. Yeah, but first and foremost, they their family. They're all doing really well. They're super close, and that that goes. That's more important to them than their individual teams. And Brady owes him because he negotiated your contract out of Ottawa. Now you got to support it. That's right. He doesn't want to give him the traditional, what, 5%. So I'll <laughs> throw a couple T-shirts and we'll call it even. Seems pretty square to me. But, yeah, I, I get your point, Sam. Um, when you're not involved in any of the teams, it's like, that's amazing. That's so cool. But if it was one of your teams, you'd be like, I don't know. Move this man. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to hit us with the Takachuk. Who was that? Takachuk. Gilbert Godfrey, RIP, just passed away in the last month or so. Oh, my goodness. That's one of the last things he said. Takachuk. Love that. May he rest in peace. Okay, um... Did we exhaust Leafs' development over the years, no. or do we? Uh, we still want to go because I want to talk about uh, uh, the Marlies. You used to work for the Marlies. I did. So, were you on that Calder Cup team? No, no. The, uh, the year I left, they were successful. Nah, that wow. explains. But everything. I will say, the the two years I was there, we <laughs> we played in five playoff rounds. We did not get it done, but they got it done the next year. Okay, so if we want to. Keep going on this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know the Marley still pretty well. Yeah. Uh, a lot better than me. Is there any help at all off this team? Well, there's two ways to answer that. Is there guys who could play on their team for some games? If they, you know, yes. Is there anyone who's going to significantly move the needle? Tough to see. Like, I'm... I've been pretty adamant, I think, about Nick Robertson in the past. Like, he's a flawed player still. Is Nick Robertson ready to help the Leafs in playoffs next year? Can he be impactful against a Tampa Bay next year or a Florida next year? God, it's, you know, I I hope so. I hate being a doubter, but like, I. I hope to be wrong, 
but I, I find it hard to see. My answer to that is I don't think so. No. So another thing that I is going against Kyle Dubas is, again, under his watchful eye of the last four years, his farm team, the Toronto Marlies, missed the playoffs. First time since 2011. It's been a long run. So what happened? What's going on down there? Why? Kyle's focus has shifted, right? Like, Kyle so, was the GM for years of the Marlies okay, so when they were successful. You, 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 won, you won a Calder Cup in 2018. Yeah. It's about the time he took over the Leafs. Okay. You didn't need to win the Calder Cup the first year you take over the Toronto Maple Leafs as general manager. What you really need is to put the work in and then win the Calder Cup in 2021 or 2022 because that'll, that would have given you four years of development and the timing would have been better to be focused on a, yeah. on a championship team this year they or last, last year. They finished last in 2015-16. I mean, they needed to develop players then. So they didn't win the Calder Cup because they developed players. They won the Calder Cup because they bought it. No, I disagree with that. Because the year before, they, they, they did buy some good players, Lovaird and... You want to go over that payroll Oh, no, ridiculous. Of course. I'm no argument that they did okay. things other teams couldn't do to put the prospects in a chance to succeed. Okay. Yeah. What prospects? I'm sorry. Willie Nylander and crew. You know, Connor I know Brown. he had moved on at that point. No, but... Willie, you can't include Willie. Willie's no. Uh, no, top pick that was going to didn't need the Marlies. Brunstrom and Marchment and Hall and Dermott and, you know, guys that play in the NHL. Not for the Leafs, but guys who play in the NHL. Engvall was on that team. You know, there's six, seven guys on that team that now play in the NHL. Yes, just not for you. Right, yeah. Which is a problem. Very much so, yeah. So now you need guys to come from that organization more than ever. And I think their focus, or Kyle's focus, has switched, right? Leafs now. And, I, I you know, they I think it's Ryan Hardy that runs it now. Is there? But uh, we're talking about now Kyle needing this year to save his job, save yeah. his reputation, save future employment. Yeah. Nothing that you see at all. So, Alex? Sure. Alex Steves? Uh, you know, he's... Punchy no, Douglas? Punchy Douglas is a maybe. So, Curtis, here's the thing is they need guys to take steps, right? And it's tough to predict at that age. I'll give you two names who I could see kind of filling in. Bobby McMahon is one of them. He's a guy who is strong. So when I look at the Leafs and say you want to fill in guy, you want someone to come in your bottom six and contribute, right? Be a difference maker? Yeah. Bobby McMahon actually had the rookie score, set the rookie scoring record. It was uh, Josh Levo and Connor Brown. He set it this year. And, you know, like fitness test winning, bull, does all the little things, skates pretty well. He's a guy who could we could see in a Leafs jersey. Can he be as good as Mason Marchment? I don't think so. Martin Marchman score twenty some goals this year at six foot four for the Florida Panthers. No, that ship has sailed. You know what kills me too? They put so much time into Marchman, right? They they didn't even send him to the ECHL. He didn't make the AHL team. They just kept him around to work on his body, skills, coaches, training, gym. Like they made him a project, and they brought him all the way to the guy he became. And then they bailed on him. Why? He was hurt all the time. Injuries. They just didn't think he could stay in the lineup, I think. Mulgan had more games. And I'm not saying it was right to do, but I I, I don't know. Is there... Um... Curtis Douglas is six foot eight. He's 22 years old. He scored 15 times. I hear he's still a project, though. Totally. He's like Marchman. He's the next guy we that's like Marchman. We don't need projects. We need guys to come in yeah. and be impactful in 12 months. Can't offer you that. He uh, he is a guy, though, that, like, when you look at this roster, what do you want? You want someone who can punch people if you need to, grasp the role, kill penalties, play low, win face-offs. That's, he is getting there. He could play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but can he matter for them next year, which is what you're asking me? He's got he's to get a lot better still. Um, anybody else? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's all the guys. The Finnish guys, these two Finnish guys, right? A well, second-round pick. They got two D-men. And a third-round pick. Yeah, Ronnie Hervinen and Toppy Niemela, who, Niemela, are, who yeah. were mentioned, Niemela. right? Yeah, and th- those guys are their, I think, other than Nyes, would probably be the guys that they are the most hopeful for. Yes, they have the most cachet, you know, mm. if you were to trade them or whatever. But here's my my thing is... They're smaller skill D, right? Like this is Dubas's thing has been to draft skill. This is where analytics has really hurt Kyle Dubas. I believe that he believes you you draft skill and then you can find the tough, the yes. heavy to that stuff on the so, free agency market. Uh, Which I don't necessarily disagree with. Sure. I think I think there is a I think there is something to that, but it hasn't worked. So they've got a, a tie vo- Voigt, a fifth round pick. Yeah. Tiny. I don't know anything about him. Five Tiny. nine. Tiny. 150 pounds. Lit it up. Five nine. The, lit it up for the. For is there Sarnia. any world you see where this guy in the next two years is playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs no, at five no. foot nine? No. Well, that's like Joey Duzak, you know, for the Marlies is uh, almost a point per game D man, five foot nine. Yeah, Toppy Nimala right now is listed on the Leafs website as a 5'11", 156 pounds. This Holmberg, Pontus Holmberg, that uh, he talked about as well, is a thicker guy. I think he's five ten or five eleven, a centerman, but he's thicker. You know, and he's quiet and smart, plays center, does the whole, you know, dependable, simple things. So I don't know if he can play in the bottom end. That Joey Anderson's coming along. He's like a mini Pavelski. That's a huge, huge, huge compliment. But I mean, like. Can, again, this is going to kill Lee fans, but can Joey Anderson be Trevor Moore and not end up moving him? Trevor Moore Damn good hockey player right now for the LA Kings. He is. He is. No. <laughs> he can't be that either. I mean, can, Anderson could be a less offensive version of that. Someone's more prone to, you know, being disruptive with his stick and, you know, smarts and a real effort guy. But Kipper, I, there's no one that I look at and say, this guy's going to come in and make a difference to the team. Matthew Nyes is the hope, right? Well, their their top scorer this year was uh, uh, Brett Sini. Uh, yeah, we saw a little bit. We did see a little bit. Yeah. Where's his future? Uh, you know, his name hasn't come up. I don't. I don't even know if he'll be back. Like oh, Kyle didn't God mention sakes. him in the in the postseason presser. Doesn't seem like someone he's only hopeful about. Uh, Duzak, you mentioned at five foot nine, he had uh, fifty two points, a second leading scorer with the Marlies. Uh, can he come and help Morgan Riley on a power play? He will. I heard him called the best power play D-man in the Leafs organization. Um, however, he is not going to be around. They ended on bad terms. He left. He quit. A season ago, they had like a game to make the playoffs at the end of the year. He quit. What do you mean he quit? I mean he quit. He just he, packed up and left. He did not want to participate in the hockey match and had seen enough of his relationship with Your the Marlies. Your second leading scorer on your American Hockey League team just packs up and leaves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why? I don't know exactly. Um, some fractured relationships. Uh, you know, I think they were playing him at forward at times. They were frustrated with his inability to defend, and he was frustrated with their inability to, you know, notice that he was a point-per-game defenseman. There was just – there seems to be some conflict with the coach and him, I think. That's my understanding. Was, was, uh, has anyone else quit? Yes. <laughs> so I, over the past couple of years, a I'm number gonna, of I'm going to quit if the Leafs lose in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> what is with the quitting part? I honestly don't know. There's a few guys that I was just like, what happened to him? Oh, he's gone. Okay. He quit too. Yeah. He they, quit too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, Kipper. I'm not exactly sure, you know, how relationships are are going with some of the the the, the, the head coach and putting the more blankets players. around everybody. What's doesn't seem to be the quit? case. The Marlies. I don't know. I, I uh, to be honest, I don't fully understand. But it seems three or four guys I think have quit over the past couple seasons. Um, so yeah, there's there's development right now feels a lot rockier to me, and it's not it's not been as okay. successful as the the prior uh, three four years. A project for Kyle Dubas that got a ton of attention this year. Mm-hmm. Hosang. Yeah. Not a sniff, no, but he ended up with 35 points in 47 games. What's his story? You know, he's really, he's busy. You, you know, there's a lot going on, stick handling and his brain and everything. You can't quite calm it down, but it's just, it's he, there's no fit for him in the Leafs lineup. He's not going to play in the top six. He's not going to play a PK, grind it out role. You know, that 
pipe dream for Leafs fans because he's so talented and sometimes you see his highlights on Twitter and he's unbelievable. It's not a thing. Maybe he's going to be the great guy that he's been and play for the Marlies, but he's not going to help the Leafs win playoff games. And that's what we're after. I'm running out of names here. I know. I know. And this, so he's talking about these guys he wants to come help. Well, maybe Bobby McMahon can take a step. Maybe Curtis Douglas can um, matter. Who, who do they call, maybe Joey uh, Anderson can play S- games. SDA. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, Semyon Der... Arginchinsev. Yeah, he's silky. Woo! Silky mitts. Like Datsuki and mitts. Uh, but he's he's literally 150 pounds. Mm. Oh and and you know what do you have 37 points in 50 some games in the minors if you're at that size like you what's that it's not that he's not a good hockey player it's you're asking me can't the Leafs are 115 points they're one of the best teams in the NHL it's a tough team to crack and he's not close to being impactful for the Toronto Maple Leafs in playoffs in 2023 that is my take I think it's a safe one thank you yeah but hey this punchy Douglas and listen, no disrespect to Curtis Douglas, who's a very good player. We're down to Punchy. Punchy Douglas is great. We only call him Punchy because he broke. The first three fights he got in, he broke the human's face across. From yeah, him. it was a very big beatdown. I don't know. They, it, this is an issue. The, the development, there's no, there's no denying it, that they haven't been able to line the bottom half of their lineup with cheap talent for pretty much the whole era. It's actually this. disappointing that, like, Mac Hollowell is okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rubens, Christian's Rubens, yeah. we liked him. He never really took a step. Yeah. He might have taken a step back. What is next March going to look like when they've been buyers at the trade deadline and they've got to they got to be buyers again? Thinner than me in grade nine, pal. Thinner than me in grade nine. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that looked like. Treading water in a test tube. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, thin, thin boys. Yeah, and that, in a nutshell, is a major reason why yeah. they are where they are today. And tough to see that getting better, you know? Like, Matt, how much pressure is on Matthew Nyes to matter right now? Like yeah, this, we said that. Oh, he's, he, lo- he's loving college life. He's fine. Yeah. You know, he's no, no issues. Like, March and April. All he, season he, next year, we have him in the Leafs lineup for playoffs. We've got him on the first line. Yeah, we're writing him in all season long. Like, I mean, because they're counting on a, a cheap contributor that's big and... God, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> Have a good summer, Matt. Take care of yourself. Work hard. Work hard. Yeah. But before Knives arrives, you've potentially lost Mikheyev. Yeah, true. You and and boys, it's 50-50 that they have they don't have a number one or they don't have a number two. They gotta go and find them. Number one or number two goalie. goalie. Yeah. Oh, right? that position. Oh, the like goalie? everybody's saying that they're that close, yet they may have to revamp their whole goalie program. And in, in, in the last four or six years, where's where's the development of a of a goalie? Yeah, Joe been? Wool gonna play. Ian Scott was their pedigree guy. And he got he, hurt and, and he's, he's just really injured, I think. Really play. Yeah. But he was the guy that was really good in junior. He led like, the Raiders, Prince Albert Raiders, I think, to the, the Memorial Cup and he was Unbelievable. Under two goals against average in junior. And then they thought he was kind of the pedigree goalie development guy and he just never panned out. They haven't hit on a goalie. When's the last goalie they developed? I guess Reimer? Can can goalies, can Schalgren get better? Is he 25? I, I'm, I'm okay with uh, um, Schalgren being uh, the backup goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm okay because you're going to have to go put yeah. five or six million dollars in one guy next year. Would you rather and, have and, Darcy Kemper and I don't at think six they, per? I, I don't think they want to go uh, with Jack at five times four. And that's he may have to go get five million somewhere else for maybe three years. But really, you don't think they do five times four? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm not, I'm getting a vibe where they you got to really go where they were 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. They didn't go spend $4 million on Mrazic because they loved Jack Campbell so much. Right. They figured Jack would need his hand held as a co-starter. Maybe so, he'll be so hot at the right time. I, if, if they felt that way 12 months ago, and of course you watched the, thir- the first 35 games, but as we... I'd always heard, and you know mm-hmm. me with my big mouth saying, "Hey, if they want him, it's going to cost him now five or six million bucks." But 
Did they ever believe for one second that they were, they really thought that they had that type of guy in Jack Campbell ever? I wonder, what do you, I wonder if what they, they did, offered him in if like they November. Thought, if they thought the potential was there for him to be the starting goalie, they wouldn't have spent $4 bucks on Mrazic, I can assure you. Bingo. That's that's the most important here's point, the, right? Here's the Jack so, Campbell so not, contract. 12 months later, they ain't changing their minds. No, you're right. $17 million for four years. That's 4.25 per season. Four years. Do you want it? Hey, uh, yeah, he may want, want it, it, but he's going to explore everywhere else. And you think if he gets five oh, per if you're in, Jack, if you're Jack, do you want No, it? no, do we? Do we as uh, the, the real Kipper and Bourne show, the Toronto Maple Leaf representatives? That swoon. Do you like that, that contract? That mid-season swoon was... It was swoony. Swoony, swoony. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hate goalies. I hate talking about goalies. Goalies are just the most unpredictable thing. I know. As, as a and it's the most, analyst, it's like, I, it's I got It's the most nothing. important thing, and it's the most impossible thing to predict. And it's, now that they're all tandems and don't play 60 games, it's even harder to guess because guys have, like, a hot streak or they get hurt for a like, couple months. It's like... Hey, but Battle of Alberta picks, boys, before we go. Calgary in six is my pick, but I believe it could go the other... Like Calgary in five or Calgary in... Four and a half. Yeah, I'll take Calgary. Uh, I hope they beat the crap out of each other for seven games. Sportsnet does too. How about Oilers in seven? Woo. Why well, not? Why not? Con- I got a little David different. goes ham yeah, this year and I mean, scores a not? bajillion points. I could see it. Well, we found something to talk about for the last two hours. Our I, thanks to I'm curious to know tune how in tomorrow we can do to see if we got more. Eric Francis, <laughs> Hall of Famer Brian Leach, and of course, all of you for watching and listening. We're back again tomorrow. And we'll be around. Thanks for joining us. Real Kipper and Bourne.